Welcome to Time to Scale. My name is Kimberly Larsen and I am the CEO and founder of Indie Riot and Time to Riot and I am your host. Time to Scale is an initiative from Danske Bank and Supla Steria Scale-Up for this year's Oslo Innovation Week. If done right, at the right time, for the right scale-up, the right corporate, you know, a partnership can accelerate your growth immensely and be the main contributor to your growth. But done badly, it can be what strangles and kills your company. The guests on our panel today all have personal experiences and insights into what makes this work and what does not. So I am happy to welcome on stage Hans Christian Ås, CEO at iMove, powered by New. Inger Ek Trondrud from Semini AI. Kåre Helle, Venture Director at DNVGL Venture. Gustav Garetti, Chief Innovation Officer at Storebrand. Johanna Hepst, Head of Growth and Impact at Danske Bank. Og Tobias Studer Andersson, Head of Soplasteria Scale Up. Welcome. We say it's time to scale, and some of you even have scale as part of your title. Why is this so important, Tobias? Why is this so important to scale? To scale. Yeah. Well, I do believe that scaling is not only for startups, it's also for the large corporates. And I think in the coming five or ten years, what we know today is not what's going to be the next business model or way of delivering solutions. So in order to scale both the large ones and the startups, it's important to start thinking about how could we collaborate to actually scale together. Okay, so in the collaboration, so Johanna, why are these partnerships so important? Why are they so important to you or Danske Bank? I think for many corporates and not only large ones, but actually of all sizes, it's important to focus on what you're best at, your strengths. So, I mean, banks have developed digital solutions and done a lot of things for many, many years, but maybe we have done a little bit of everything. So I think what we have learned now is that if we can open up for more partnerships, we actually might meet some, uh, some small companies out there who are experts in the area that we want to develop. And uh, that opens up for us to actually focus on our core strengths, which I would say are advisory and distribution. And uh, with our advisors and connecting digital solutions with advisory, we make the solutions even stronger. And um, of course, we have big customer bases in different segments. So, and we also now have really good digital platforms to distribute to those segments. So to invite partners in to develop on our platforms, uh, we can help them scale and distribute their solutions. And we can focus on advisory and of course also keep developing digital solutions, but not in all areas. Stick to your day job is yes, what you're saying. Exactly. Um, Kora, in, in your talk you went through some of these things as well and how, you know, uh, not trying to do everything yourself, but actually uh, picking up uh, startups and, and running together. But, uh, and Tobias says it's important for the big corporations to scale as well. So can these partnerships actually help the big corporations like yourself scale? Yeah, I, I, I generally believe that they, this is the way that we have to work. Um, I think it's a challenge to that uh, for the corporates. That means that we have to let go of some of the control. That means that we can't uh, we can't control everything. Um, 
but what we get in return is this huge statistic volume of great ideas that could potentially scale. And then when we find that, then as I said, we have superpowers that, that um, uh, with all respect to all of the startups, they don't have. <laughs> uh, so we have those and let's try and exploit that to create new value for both parties. Uh, and then our challenge is to try and release control a bit uh, and let the things happen that we don't necessarily always can strategize around. Uh, but I think what we get in return is it's, uh, it's it's much more valuable, um, and it's it's will potentially be the next leg of the big incumbent. Uh, so that's yeah. Uh. Superpowers out of control. I I like that. <laughs> I think it sounds like a, a great point. Um, Inger, you're the partner development manager at Semini. What does that actually mean? Well, first of all, I would like to say a nice jacket, Tobias. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Semina was founded in uh, Kristiansand in 2015. And uh, we have had uh, some great success with our customer-centric approach uh, for, since the beginning. And uh, we have had great success with direct sales. But we have always known that we need to scale with partners as well in order to reach our goals. Uh, our Ambition is not to become a large enterprise, international enterprise, but we want to scale through partners. And for that to become reality, then we need to really invest in the partner development uh, ourselves. So we're not only one, but two PDMs in Semania at the moment, and we're uh, approximately 70 people working there uh, in total. Um, so uh, a PDM is a uh, a role that's supposed to uh, develop partnerships with different types of partners. There are partners uh, that comes in uh, many sizes and shapes. Um, but uh, we need to understand what is our common ground, uh, how can we found, find uh, our common goals, and then our job is to work together in order to reach those goals. Uh, Gustav, you've, you've mentioned uh, Dreams as uh, one of the good partnerships that you have, but uh, like, what kind of uh, companies uh, do you prefer to partner up with? Is it companies who have a clear partnership strategy like uh, Semini and preferably a, a, a partnership development manager as well? That's a good question <coughs> because I think um, startup, as I mentioned in the po podcast the other day together with you, that uh, startups might uh, needs some more bureaucracy in their organizations, uh, some more planning, some more kind of responsibility divided into different persons and people. So that's uh, a very good initiative. That's so not I'm your sales pitch, that. I hope, into the startups. We will give you more bureaucracy. <laughs> <laughs> Have to differ from the rest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hans Christian, how do you approach, I mean, you've been through this uh, a few times, how do you approach entering into a partnership, who do you, who do you get in touch with? Uh, I think you need to, to know what you're looking for before you decide who you're going to speak to. So um, uh, I'm always a, a car subscription provider and we don't make cars, we don't uh, do uh, car financing, we don't do car insurance, we, we don't do change tires, we don't do a lot, so we're very dependent on, on partners. So the way that we do it is that we design a customer journey so, for example, we decided quite early that our insurance should be a sort of free mileage, risk-free returns, everyone can drive the car whenever they want, no terms at all. Um, and then you know what to go uh, in your luggage, right, to the insurance companies, and you're quite specific on, on what you're looking for. 
So, um, and the way that we've approached like an insurance company is of course through, through network, you, you know some people, um, but usually you, you have to start up with the, the yes people, the chief digital officers or the, the business development, right? And, and at some point you sort of, you have to be quite clear that you, you need to talk to the people that actually need to be involved in the decision. So if you're looking for car financing, then you need to talk to the credit people at some point, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's quite important to be very frank on your expectations and try to get into business as, as soon as possible. Ingrid, is that part of your strategy to go number one, yes person, number two, the no person, and just get them on board? Um, well, we, <laughs> um, I guess, yes. Uh, we, of course, we need to find our ambassadors in order to, to get from step one to step two, but uh, we also need to be challenged along the way in order to, to make sure that we understand where we're going with this. So uh, I guess, yes. Um, I mean, there, there are a lot of myths surrounding corporate partnerships. You know, the corporates are the big bad wolves and the startups are the little innocent red riding hoods. Uh, are things always so black and white, Johanna? Uh, no, I wouldn't say so. I think, um, I think what's been uh, maybe a part of the problem for large corporations is a little bit of what Tobias is bringing up here, the readiness that we have not been ready. So without maybe having the intention, uh, things have taken too much time. You know, we have not uh, realized the importance, as you're saying, to actually there are many, you know, innovators and we really want to do things and we are so positive and we really put a lot of time and effort into making it real, but too early enough and with enough um, how should I put it, strength, make sure that uh, the, the real decision makers, so to speak, are on board. Because that's only then you can you actually realize and, and make a partnership, a long-term partnership uh, work. So I don't think there are, I mean, there are some, but I don't think there are many bad wolves, uh, big bad wolves out there, but definitely a lot of learning that uh, needs to happen. I can uh, comment on that yes, uh, as well, because um, we did a project together with the Finn. Uh, owned by Shipstead, and then we did a retrospective, and some of the questions that we touched upon was, um, what do you, uh, as Shipstead, what do you think uh, iMove thinks of Shipstead, and the other way, what we, did we actually think about them? And it's quite interesting, we put up all the post-it notes, and they thought that sort of, um, they were hiding their agenda, that they were not telling the whole truth, and that we didn't trust them, right, uh, they were very slow. But then they sort of could look at our answers. It was much more positive than they thought <laughs> themselves, right? Because huh. we got a lot out of the, the partnership that they didn't quite see. So uh, that was just an interesting exercise to do because then you actually get it uh, written. So is the corporates <laughs> creating these myths about them being the big, big bad wolves? But, but trust is a, a, an, interesting, uh, um, an interesting part of this. Um, it's, uh, it's been discussed things like uh, NDAs. Uh, Tobias, if, if a startup comes to you with uh, uh, an idea and they say, we will tell you all about it if you sign this NDA, what is yes. your reply? Yeah, I mean, NDA is a, uh, it's a question that is uh, spoken a lot about these days. But from my perspective, from Superstata Scale-Up perspective, as I said, our job is to connect our uh, clients' problems with possible solutions. That means in our discussions with the startup, we discuss client problems. Maybe not specific, but in bigger terms or industry problems. That means that we, in a kind of a meetings, are discussing clients and the startup discussing their solutions. 
which basically means that we sign a mutual NDA, which means that the cases, the possibilities that we are discussing is this, uh, staying in these, uh, behind these doors. Hmm. And I think it's also one way that we do it is because we are not looking for to develop new products, but we are looking for our startups with solutions or these pieces of puzzle that could add value. So we're not going deep dive in the technology. It's more about, okay, what kind of use cases or what kind of problems are you solving? Yeah. Kore, uh, how about you? Yeah, I, I tend not to sign NDAs. So uh, in, in my corporate life, I've signed maybe 200 NDAs in my life because the MEGL works with a lot of um, confidential information as a company. So that's not a problem when I have a client relationship. I, uh, I think we should wait for the NDA until we have actually figured out that we should collaborate together. So every startup that I meet, don't tell me any secrets. Don't tell me anything that you couldn't put in the newspaper. Uh, I don't want to have it. And I didn't pick this example that I showed earlier by chance because I have that service existing on my marketplace. Uh, we have a marketplace called veracity.com. Small advertisement there, but uh, where this service has been offered to the, our clients for three years, for three years. But we haven't nailed it. We haven't done it. And I think so. It's it's, it's so. I think, uh, and I would like to talk to this Swedish uh, startup as well because I think they have a different value. So until we really figure out that we should work together, let's keep it at a non-confidential level and build trust. And I think this the, your example, Hans Christian, is valuable. Is it's it's good to hear because this but your story doesn't reach the newspapers so we, the rest of us doesn't hear about it <laughs> we hear about the, those things where it goes wrong um and i think uh us as big corporations we have to be sensitive to, to some of the powers that we have and the fact that we are big and we are seen upon as big but we are seen upon as uh, we are seen as also then very attractive because we are big so we have to be sensitive to the kind of the disproportionate power in that relationship. So we shouldn't act and exploit in an exploitive manner, uh, but it's also a little bit the startup's responsibility not to be naive. I can't, I, I, so after we launched our venture activity, I've said no to 250 companies. Naturally, they are disappointed. And I, I try to, at least to most of them, give them some sort of rational advice why we can't work with them. Uh, why it's not relevant, but I can't take responsibility for how they feel in the end. So they might feel aggression towards me or my company in a way that uh, uh, that they think that I treated them unfairly, I exploited my position. And this is my risk that I have to try and balance. But I'm trying to be a little bit also today, I'm trying to be open about what I'm good and bad at, and I'm bad at something. And I'm trying to build that trustful relationship. Then I think we can work together in a sensible manner. And to be honest, we made one. Maybe we we finished one big um, venture investment over this, this summer. We didn't sign any NDAs between the two organizations. We've been work talking to them for a long time. Even after we signed the the, the shareholder agreements, there's the, of course in the shareholder agreements there are some confidentiality clauses that we have to relate to. But there's no kind of formal NDAs existing between those two companies. So, so can you actually make these um, valuable decisions on entering a partnership if you don't discuss the really important things that might be covered in an NDA, Jana? I mean, for sure. I think there are so many things you have to figure out uh, first so uh, to make sure that you are compatible. 
because uh, I think you can talk about enough things without signing an NDA maybe to, to see that we have some things say we want the same things. But then, of course, bringing in transparency about, as you were talking a little bit about timelines and, uh, and everything surrounding that, how long time would this take? I mean, where can we help you scale and, and how long will that take? Uh, what will it take from you? Because, of course, even if in a, in a corporate uh, startup uh, partnership, the corporates bring the kind of maybe more resources into it. But of course, it will take a focus and maybe also more resources from the startup. So I think um, with experience, you learn that the transparency and looking at it very realistically and not too optimistic, <laughs> uh, I think is a good, uh, a good learning. Um. How about you, Ingrid? Is that the approach? Transparency is that part of your uh, partnership plan? Well, we. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I agree with both of you because, or all of you, because uh, uh, having uh, an open discussion uh, without sharing big company secrets is, of course, important. But for a small startup, our IP is all we have. So for us, it's an extra insurance to ensure that this information won't be shared across. Uh, we live in a more and more open uh, corporate environment. For example, people uh, save their documents on OneDrives and SharePoints and stuff like that. And uh, if you have a policy within the organization that we're supposed to share everything, then it's really easy to search uh, across the entire organization for information. And uh, you can't make sure that you won't have anyone within the company that won't share this further on, that are not involved with the process. So for us, it's an insurance thing. Uh, readiness came up, uh, well, actually, in, in being naive came up uh, as one of the things. And I guess it's quite linked as well to being ready to approach a corporate for a partnership. And um, Gustav, we discussed this a little bit in the podcast as well. But uh, what do you need to be ready about? Like how, how ready should you be to approach you at uh, Sturebron for it actually to be able to go somewhere? Mm, yeah, we discussed that uh, we get a lot of emails uh, suggesting partnerships and uh, you can see from the first line that it's copied to 100 different companies. So you have to kind of show that you have uh, uh, done your research about Sturebron and uh, have an understanding of how we are working, etc. So please do your homework before and things think through how you would like to partner up and what kind of business model you are looking for. So prepare a would, bit more. Would it be interesting for you if it's a, um, it's a company that approaches you that's a, a perfect fit in all, all ways, but they do not have global ambitions? Is that an interesting corporate, corporate partner? Absolutely. <coughs> Their global ambition isn't that important for us, for us actually. So it's uh, more important for us to succeed on the Norwegian and the Swedish market. And also would like to mention uh, about this uh, big, small <laughs> difference that uh, it's, I always, always try to remember Storban that uh, once it was a startup and every company has been, uh, it was more than 250 years ago, Storban was a startup, but uh, it was one, once in the days. And also that we are quite small. We are smaller than Uber. Uh, much smaller than Spotify. There are 1,500 people in, in Norway, so we are not that big. I guess that's a good, good perspective um, to keep. So how about, 
uh, if we also talk about like entering these uh, partnerships and the risk on both sides, like how should we uh, value the time spent? Hans Christian, there's a uh, companies who would like uh, corporates to pay for pilots, for instance, or, or how, how do you value your time uh, both uh, in the pre-phase and then actual production phase in a corporate partnership? Um, I think at least in particular in the, in the startup, like in the early days of, uh, of a company, then, then you're on a very short lifespan when it comes to capital, right? So uh, you usually sort of live three to six months at a time. Um, and that's that's not a good life uh, and of course it means that if you're going into a very time-consuming process it could actually kill you right so um, so that's um, so for startups time is is cash uh, like they say uh, uh, you don't feel the same way uh, when you work for a corporate so that is um, of course but it's a, it's a pressure that you have and you know that because of that you have to run uh, parallel dialogues you have to sort of you have to think sort of plan a b c d uh, all the time so sort of our sort of what we sort of the downside of having very time consuming processes is that you have to explain it to the board we have to explain it to the owners we need more capital to to do this uh, to finish it and they kind of remember that so uh, the next time you're sort of uh, suggesting that okay let's do this then then it's like ah uh, you spent too much time on that the last time right so uh, so you have to um, yeah uh, you have to, to think in, in parallel in alternatives all the time. And I know this has been a, a, a subject also within public sector that the, the decision time takes too long. But another issue has also been, you know, you can, you can enter into a bidding and you can actually win the bid. Uh, but then when the first phase is over, the startup is suddenly considered too small to carry on the project. Do mm. you have any experience with this, Tobias? Yeah, and I think it's so, again, it's, a maturity of the, of the corporate here okay and why are they want to explore something new together with a startup i mean is it just to explore new technology or is it just to try some cool things or is it just to actually see okay how can this solution actually solve a problem and fit into our biggest strategy and uh, we've seen a lot of examples on startup uh, corporate partnerships that is basically ending up in a pilot or a MVP and then it won't be scaled. And then I mean that's time consuming both for the startup and for the, the big one. But maybe it's the case if something, something takes a little bit longer to get an answer from the corporate, maybe they're actually thinking about how could the solution fit in in a bigger picture. So in one way, if time takes a little bit longer time and, uh, and sign a contract the day after, maybe they have a bigger plan for you. And I think that's a good one to, to remember, both in public sector, but also for private companies yeah. when they're actually are entering a partnership. What's a big red flag for you, Ingrid? Uh, a big red flag for me is when uh, there aren't any uh, strategy behind, for example, a pilot. If you do a pilot and it ends up with a tender process, and for a tender process, you need to have, for example, three reference stories from similar customers. And for a startup, what do you do then? So uh, that's a big red flag for us, uh, actually. And uh, um, there are a lot of good initiatives when it comes to becoming more innovative in, in uh, different companies. They have an innovation team, for example. Uh, but I think it all drills down to is innovation a part of the backbone of the company? Are we willing to invest in 
new technology in order to become more innovative. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Johanna, you've uh, actually said uh, banks are boring. Yeah. <laughs> um, how can banks then be a good partner for growth companies? Yeah, we are uh, hopefully not that boring. We actually do a lot of fun, <laughs> it's fun your, working your in a bank. Your words, not mine. <laughs> I know, I know. But no, I think we are doing uh, things on many levels uh, in the company. And uh, I mean, one thing we are doing in is definitely looking into our digital solutions so that we uh, build platforms that we can open up for partners so that uh, we are not maybe dependent on our developers to actually get the solution out there, but we can have our partners, developers develop on the platform. And uh, it doesn't mean it doesn't have to be approved or you know everything before it hits uh, or reaches our customers, but it means that uh, we can, uh, they can develop it, we can market it, uh, and make sure that it reaches a broad spectrum of customers or a pilot segment of customers to test it, to see if we actually want to invest more in it and, and make it a broader solution. So I think that is one important step and one priority that we have done to focus on that. And I, I do hope and I do think that that will uh, lead to many interesting, innovative solutions for our customers in the years to come. Uh, another interesting thing that we, we have uh, been discussing is, of course, the culture. Culture when you scale to different countries or with the, with the different partners. And for instance, when you approach um, an insurance company and say, we want to partner up with you, but we want to flip your business uh, model completely upside down. How does that culture, how is that a culture fit? It's probably not a culture fit, but uh, <laughs> and you just have to deal with uh, with that. So actually, for for Trig, we got it in writing that uh, they had to sort of not expose us for any sort of slow-moving decisioning processes or any core systems that wouldn't talk to each other. And we have that in writing that they can sort of mention it in in the meetings. Um, so you can get it in writing, but uh, I, I think sort of as a startup, you also have to to adopt and you have to to try to understand how the the corporates think. And a red flag for me is if it's if it's not a burning platform for the corporate, that then it will probably not make sense sort of moving and scaling this properly. So, uh, uh, as an example with um, um, uh, with uh, car financing, one of the things that happens when users get access to cars instead of buying them is that you don't get a car loan. Also, so the whole sort of retail market on car loans will disappear if everyone is getting access to cars. And it's, it's one of the areas where the bank earn the most money, right? So, so then you have a burning platform to discuss, is that we can actually sort of move you into an area where, which you're really going to need uh, in the future. Uh, and then you have just have to deal with the different cultures, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh, do you experience a lot of culture differences, even in the way you have conversations with the startups, Kare? Or scale-ups or growth companies? Uh, yeah, I, I think, um, again, I think a lot of the uh, startup community, um, a little bit to Gustav's point also, they don't know what we do uh, that well, and they have then high expectations for what we can do for them, and we can't really uh, sometimes. And I, I think finding this, where these two things match well, is it's not easy, it's very difficult to find where there is an internal community or engagement who wants to change, who wants to disrupt the core or do that part and where that matches the external uh, kind of wish for partner with us. Uh, so that, I think that's that's the challenge that I'm trying to bridge uh, on trying to figure out. Um, I think there's also a cultural difference in, in and like also like Hans Christian is mentioning, the startups has not infinite time. Incumbents have 
doesn't really matter for us if we take this meeting, Count Christian, in January or next week. For me, it's that's the time. I mean, it's we have that time in corporates. So I think that's also a culture. I think this is also a way that, again, the big corporates should be um, conscious about how they engage in this community. Three months is a very long time for a startup. Then give them a big fat no very fast, saying, I don't think we can move and shake this before Christmas. Spend your time elsewhere. And then recognize them and then may go to the competitive business and get some traction there. And that's, oh, oh I should have wished that we had. But let's just realize that we are slow. Um, and it's not, I think it's, it's not, we're not slow because there's lots of things happening inside the corporate to prepare for that meeting in January. It's just that we're slow. And we need to make those people meet and get them to, and then getting a CEO's time, that's extremely time consuming. Um, I think this culture of that, that, this culture shift and the expectations, I think we should be also clearer about from, from our side saying that, sorry, I don't, think, I don't think we're the right partner. I wish that we were. I wish that we can move, move you into the States and scale you into those 40% market share that we have. But the guys in the States are not ready for you now. They, don't, they are not willing to do that. Uh, they, don't, they are not looking for new value offering from their customers. They are just trying to do whatever they do. There's no point of me then introducing uh, Space BT to them uh, and wasting Space BT's time. Uh, so I think that's also something that big corporates should be conscious about. Uh, and also then, also the, again, the startup should not be too high, have too high expectations. Don't waste time on me when I'm not responding fast. Then move on to the next one and uh, try and go to Lloyd's Register or our biggest competitor or the bastards as we call them, they go to them instead and, and find your value there. Um, uh, if they are faster than us, then that's our problem. Uh, yeah, so no's come best hard and fast and go to the bastards. Uh, are you slow, Jana? Compared to uh, the startups, we are. Yes. Uh, maybe sometimes for good reasons and sometimes because of bureaucracy and things we really are working hard on getting better at. Because of that, I think it's so important that we are selective, as you are alluding to a bit as well, that we, we do, we choose very carefully who we want to collaborate with so that we don't waste people's time. And uh, that we do it in the areas where we really want and need to develop, picking up on what you said, that we it's not easy to move yourself out of your comfort zone or where you make the most money, even if you maybe know that it's, that's where you need to go. So making sure that you partner up with people who can really move you in, in your strategic direction. So uh, picking those one and, uh, you know, say politely no to, to others. So who wants to add a final statement? Because we all agree that we, we want these partnerships, right? So what's, what's the great part of these partnerships? Why do we want them? Go. Uh, go. I do believe it's uh, three things. One is to be clear what problems you can solve and try to wrap it so that the corporate understand what's the value of it. Two, we're talking about like, time and how long time, uh, how long things take, but it's all about timing because it's maybe not, uh, you could have the best solutions, but maybe the timing is not right now. And the third one is to don't give up, be a hustler. And I think experiment and uh, see what kind of uh, clients are good for you and also for the corporates. Be a hustler there as well. Think about how could you reinvent yourself with uh, partnerships with new and innovative technology companies. Gustav? Yes, a thought that you have to kind of differ your thoughts about speed, that you kind of 
classify it into two categories. That uh, one is kind of the planning phase that can be a bit longer in an incumbent. But when you actually start start with the project, then the incumbent is at least as, as fast as the startup actually. So it's two kinds of kinds of speed. And my advice, except from the ten I mentioned, is that <laughs> try to, to have a bit fun because it's a really good environment out there. A bit different from uh, the incumbent environment. The first time I introduced Storbanto Dreams, for example, I had my son with me. I tried to explain Storbanto to them. At the same time, my son, who was uh, around four years, uh, posted, uh, putting posters in all over my face. And uh, everyone just laughing at me. So it kind of tried to keep it a bit relaxed. That sounds like a great advice. Any more comments before we I end? Think it, I think it's good that we're touching upon the good things as well for the partnerships. <laughs> it sounds pretty <laughs> terrible by now. But um, I think also there's something that you can sort of go even further that you can, by combining two parties, that you can create some magic that was not there in, in the first place. So, for example, uh, uh, for us, we one of the things we tried to do was to look at all the traditional costs of, of having cars and then try to turn some of them into revenues because we think that's a good disruption exercise. Um, and then we decided, okay, we should uh, deliver cars at home and we should make money on it. Uh, we should uh, give the customers weekend cars if they need it and we should make money on it. Uh, we should let the customers post their subscription during vacation and make money on it. That was sort of, and then we just, okay, let's figure out how we do that. And then all of them sort of resulted in that we actually did it. Uh, we, we found partners that uh, there was a win-win collaboration. So now we have a company that takes our car uh, home to the customers. Uh, they sell the existing car that the customer have, fix everything, and then we get a commission uh, every time they sell it. So no logistics, no costs, just uh, revenues. Uh, the weekend car, we pick them up from used carpools, just cars sort of sitting there. The orange Volvo that no one wants to buy. It's the perfect weekend car. Um, and also when we post the subscription, we said, okay, do you, are you going on vacation? Maybe save the money. You don't have to pay for your car when it's sitting at home. Um, and then we rented it out to the rental companies because they have peak season and, and looking for cars. And of course, they paid much more than the customer paid for that month. So, so I think sort of you should, you should sort of really look into it. And I think there's magic everywhere if you really dig for it. Thank you. Thank you all. I think that's uh, quite well uh, summed up. So if you're ready, both uh, corporates or uh, startups, scale-ups, growth companies, know what your strategy is entering into the partnership. Bring your kids to work. Uh, <laughs> stick to what you're good at and then turn cost into profit. So I think we can agree that scaling through corporate partnerships is the way to go. Thank you for listening to Time to Scale. Make sure to check out our episodes on YouTube as well. Look for Time to Scale. The entire podcast has been recorded at Epicenter Oslo and is edited by IceCube Media.